into the arms of Davis. And a superior team all season long was a superior team tonight. And the Kentucky coronation is complete. Champions 2012. Benny Snell needs five yards to break Sonny Collins' career rushing record. They give it to Benny. Straight ahead. Ten. Five. Touchdown. And a rookie record for Benny Snell Jr. of Kentucky. The All Out Kentucky Podcast. Welcome into the All Out Kentucky Podcast. Your home for the Kentucky Wildcats basketball, and football program. I am your host, A.J. Bradley, and I am joined, as always, by my brother and co-host, Sam Bradley. Today is Tuesday, December 6th, as we are coming off the heels of a UK victory over in the UK. Sam, it was a beautiful scene at the O2 Arena as Big Blue Nation showed out in force to support the John Calipari-led Wildcats. Which, let's just take a moment to recognize this amazing fan base and how they continue to support this team no matter where the game is being played. They could schedule the game in Japan, and Big Blue Nation would fill those seats. The crowd was amazing on Sunday, and the Go Big Blue chants were loud as ever. On today's episode, we are going to recap the big win against the Michigan Wolverines, provide an update on the Kentucky Bowl game that was announced over this past weekend, and then we'll shift our focus right back to the basketball court as we will preview Kentucky's next game upcoming this Saturday at Rupp Arena against Yale. Plus, a new segment at the end of the show that we will be calling the AOK College Basketball Picks, where Sam and I will be playing a little game throughout the course of the season, keeping track of our picks. So every week on this edition of the show, Coming out on Tuesdays, we will have four college basketball picks for you throughout that week's games through, that, I guess, that Tuesday through the Sunday. And then the next week, we'll come back on. We'll recap how we did on those four picks. We'll give out the next four picks for that week. And me and Sam are going to compete against one another to see who is the smartest college basketball fan on this podcast. All right, Sam, let's dive right back into this Michigan basketball game against the Kentucky Wildcats from Sunday. And it was Kentucky who was able to come away with the victory with a final score of 73 to 69 in a game that was close throughout. A lot to get to as we saw it all on both ends of the floor. And Sam, I'd like to start on the defensive side of the ball. As we had talked on the previous episode about what the Cats needed to do in order to slow down this Michigan offense led by big man Hunter Dickinson and freshman Jet Howard. With that being said, how would you assess the defensive effort in this game as a whole and then specifically how we defended their best two players? Yeah, thanks for bringing us in there, AJ. 
it was a fun Saturday from across the pond. And you're absolutely right. Big Blue gets in, AJ. And they always do in incredible fashions. So shout out to our great fans that were able to go across the pond and support our Wildcats. And they must win. I mean, we talked about it, AJ, but the non-conference schedule is winding down quickly. We still have some exciting opponents in UCLA and Kansas down the road. But, you know, like I said earlier in the previous episode, come Selection Sunday, these are the types of wins that you desperately need to have on your resume. And the Wildcats get it done in a very close fashion with a 73-69 to victory, like you said, AJ. We previewed it, but we definitely talked about how there was two specific players on this Michigan roster that were going to stand out, and boy, did they ever, AJ. So you pose a good question. Hunter Dickinson finishes with 23 points. He had his fingerprints all over the game. He adds that with nine rebounds, which was quite impressive, AJ. Then you look over at Jet Howard, who we also specifically were alluding to being able to wreck the game offensively. He finishes with 16 points. He had himself a pretty productive night. However, I will make the case that it wasn't the best night ever. I don't know why that was specifically, because when we look at that game, AJ, if you watch that first half, he only played seven minutes. He made his very first shot of the game, first shot of the game, actually, a three from deep. He starts getting in a little bit of foul trouble. Coach, his father, takes him out of the game and, and really holds the reins. He, he finishes with 26 minutes, AJ. So that second half, he obviously gets ample opportunity to impact the game, and you do see that. So getting into a, a little bit of early foul trouble was a huge component for that first half and not letting him impact the game even more so. I think we then we have to go back to Hunter Dickinson. I mentioned it. He finishes with 23 points. If you look at that from afar, he impacted the, the game as much as he probably possibly could have in any viewer's honest eyes. However, watching the game, AJ, I think we actually did enough of what we were alluding to prior to the game to impact how we were able to win this game against Michigan. What I did really like is we limited Hunter Dickinson's touches when Oscar was specifically guarding him. Cause I, I think when you look at these 23 points guys, a lot of it did come when we had to put Uganda on him, even Lance Ware late in the game, he was able to get a quick bucket. But I will say when we had, Others guarding him, Hunter Dickinson, I'll admit it, AJ, he kind of ate against us. But when we had Oscar on him, we limited his touches right in the paint like I talked about. I was very proud of the fact that we were making him catch the ball more out towards the perimeter. And if he's going to beat us like that, because I know that's a component of this game, AJ, we saw him knock down a three. But if you're going to beat us like that, then okay, that that's a great game plan for this Michigan team because, wow, we couldn't account for everything. But I will say, we forced him more towards the perimeter. I liked that recipe and made him come downhill, which I trust our, our defense enough to be able to stop them in those scenarios. He's a good distributor. You saw it at times. However, I really do think we did enough on that end to limit what he was able to do. When we look at the defensive effort, I mean, when he was solely guarding Oscar Shibway, he actually did a fairly great job, but Oscar still, as always, 
does exactly what he needs to. But when I look at this from a defensive effort, AJ, I'm actually relatively proud in the two biggest components that we broke down prior to the game, and obviously Jet Howard and Hunter Dickinson, despite them both having productive nights. I mean, don't get me wrong, giving up 23 and 16 to those two players sounds worse than it is. I'm here to just offer that perspective that when we went into this game, we expected them to have efficient nights, but we limited when it mattered most, which was the most important part, obviously, to coming away with a W. The biggest gripe I have defensively, AJ, is I just didn't love our perimeter defense. I thought we were giving two easy looks from three late in the shot clock, at least earlier in the game. I thought we actually did make some healthy adjustments coming into the second half. I'm sure Kyle saw that and the rest of his staff and said, what are we doing? We've done 20-plus seconds of strong defensive work, rotating, switching, and guarding the paint. They rotated out late in the shot clock and, and were you know, hand down, man down, AJ, and it's it's tough to watch, but that's definitely something that can be fixed going forward. I thought they did address it in game, but that's definitely what stuck out to me defensively. When you look at this game, the most important aspect is always coming away with a W. However, I will say, AJ, we were eight and a half point favorites. We finished with a W of 73 to 69, clearly not exactly the type of win that most were expecting. So when I pose the question, AJ, to you, do you think this was the type of victory that the Cats won? Or is it too nitty gritty and picky to say, I'm not fully satisfied with this W? I just wanted your honest take there. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you're playing a quality opponent. You'll take the W and you'll run with it, right? Like you said, these non-conference games, it's extremely important to get uh, big-time wins. And you look at that Michigan team, I think they're going to be right there in the mix when it when it comes to potentially getting into the NCAA tournament, doing well in the Big Ten Conference. And you look at that team as a team that could continue to get better throughout the course of the season, as we hope our Kentucky Wildcats do. And so down the road, that win may look even better than you think come Selection Sunday. So you're always happy with a victory. With that being said, there's always things within the game that you can take even when you win and say, we didn't do well in this area and that area, and then be able to correct those things going forward. Um, On the defensive side of the ball, I really thought that we did a a good enough job. Uh, I had texted you, Sam, at halftime, and I said, got to ratchet up the defense. And that was really the only thing I was concerned about because in the first half, like you said, we did good in stretches but then you throw it all away by giving up an open three or an open look at the end of the shot clock. And so that was something that was kind of bogging us down at the beginning of the game. But like I said, come out in the second half, a lot better energy, providing more pressure on the defensive end, speeding up Michigan a little bit. You kind of saw it in the second half there. They were just sped up a little bit more than they were in the first half, forced into some tougher looks some different angles, and and ultimately that's what helped Kentucky come away with the victory. You look at Jet Howard, Sam, and you talk about the 16 points. Let's break that down real quick because you said he hits the opening three of the game, right? Well, there's three of his points. At the end of the game, he hits a 
I'm not going to say garbage time three, but the game is basically over at that point. He hits the three. So that's six of his points right there. The rest of the game, only 10 points. And you alluded to it, Sam. He did go out of the game for quite some time in the first half with some foul trouble. In the second half, I thought Kentucky did a good job limiting his open looks, forcing him to take some tough jumpers and things of that nature. So I thought defensively we did a good job on him. Hunter Dickinson, like you said, it was more um, when Oscar was off him is when he was able to to get more of his production. Um, so you kind of have to live with that. But as you said, we did a really good job forcing him at times to play farther and farther away from the basket, which is playing into our hands because that's exactly what we want him to do. Something, Sam, we had talked about going into the game was rebounding, right? And that was an area in which we had not done the best job. Well, we out-rebound Michigan 46-33, to I believe, and Really, you saw it all night long. On the offensive side, we did a good job grabbing second chance offensive rebounds. And then on the defensive side, we really did a good job of limiting their second chance points. Um, They get the set, uh, I think they had like six or seven offensive rebounds, but nothing major to the point that really caused us a a ton of harm. So I thought the defensive effort as far as rebounding was really good. One other thing, Sam, we had talked about was the turnovers. Michigan was a team that did not turn the ball over very much. Again, they did not turn the ball over very much against Kentucky. So I thought the defensive effort from the Cats to continue to fight throughout the game when they weren't causing those turnovers to force Michigan into tougher shots and then... When you're doing that, you're not getting a lot of steals and blocks and things of that nature. You have to grab rebounds, and that is exactly what we did. So I give the Cats a lot of credit on the defensive side of the ball for the effort that they put forth. I mean, you got a team there that's got a lot of firepower. They play through a big man who's been around, been on that team for three-plus years, and has been the guy that they go to for quite some time now. So to be able to limit them in stretches and to hold them under 70 points, I thought was quite the effort from the Cats and and really a a huge, huge reason in why they were able to come away with the victory on Sunday. Yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, I think a few key points that I want to make, AJ, is just some of the minutes that we got from players that we hinted towards prior to the game, AJ. I mean, when you break down the stat sheet, it's not going to jump out at you when I mention this name. But Chris Livingston, if I were to tell you that he finished with with two points, he finishes with one rebound in only seven minutes, you'd probably tell me that he wasn't able to impact the game. But I would argue, AJ, those seven minutes that he gave us were vital because he was critical at what he was doing, and he did it well. He grabbed the board that he had the opportunity to, and it was, AJ, a great rebound. He, Yeah, he skied through the roof to get that rebound, and he outletted, and he made a great play, and we scored on it, AJ. Those seven minutes were critical. He defended well. He played high energy. And I'm telling you, Cal's going to go back. He's going to watch the tape, and he's going to say, I don't care that he finished with with two points, one rebound. He played hard, and i got to keep giving that guy minutes. We talked about it. He had an opportunity. We thought we saw a little 
daylight in the matchups that he could find himself getting a little more playing time, which was exciting. I will then say, although Onyenzo was a little more susceptible to getting beat defensively, AJ, he's not quite there physically yet. Like he, What he needs to keep working on throughout the season, because I do think, AJ, come March when we want to go on a run, his ability to be in the game for longer periods of times and impact the game defensively is huge. Because if he can be an elite defender by the end of the year, even a great defender by the end of the year, AJ, I think that helps the Cats' chances at a deep, deep, deep March run. But I will still say, having said all that, He actually gave us some very critical minutes. He, as well, AJ, finishes with just around seven minutes total. Obviously, we saw Oscar. We can get into this, but just some slight foul trouble yet again. It made me a little nervous there, AJ. We talked about it. But still, Onyenzo finishes with some healthy blocks. He's got four points. He's got two blocks. He impacted plenty more shots while he was out there for a couple of minutes. He grabbed a couple of boards while he's in there. I'm just saying, although I'm not calling out the high-impact players right now, I wanted to start with two guys that were able to impact the game with their paw prints despite the limited availability of just playing seven minutes, both 14 combined. So that's what you really need from guys like that, AJ, when you do want to win games like this because every possession matters. When you win a game that's 73-69, to when you try to win six games in a row – in March, AJ, you're going to win games that are very close. We've seen it across the entire landscape of college basketball this year, AJ. Teams are getting beat left and right. You know what that makes for March? Madness. That means you got to be able to finish games where minutes that you're getting from bench players are critical. So that's kind of why I wanted to start with those guys. I'll now pass it back to you, AJ. There's obviously some standout stars on this Wildcats offense that played extremely well for us that helped us lead to this victory i'll start with asking who stood out to you the most that helped the wildcats come away with w yeah sam before i do answer that i'm really glad that you started with talking about Onyenso and Chris Livingston because, you know, as I watch the Cats every time they play, I sit there and I just jot down notes the whole time. Things I see, things I've been, you know, thinking about before the game, how things are transpiring, what's going on, certain guys. And and those two guys really, they stuck out to me. And I'll even take it a step further. Damian Collins and CJ Frederick, those four guys have seemed to be okay, maybe these are our second unit guys. They're not going to play as many minutes, but the minutes they do come in, they need to play hard. They need to give max effort and energy, and I thought you saw that from all four of those guys. Sure, they're going to make mistakes here and there. They're not going to light up the stat sheet all the time, but coming in and being effective in your role and being a superstar in your role. And I, it was really cool to see some of the, those guys start to say, okay, this is my role. This is what I'm going to be asked to do on a nightly basis. Now let's go be the best at that that I can be. And so I think you're going to start to see those four guys specifically start to feel more comfortable out on the basketball court, start to know and understand what they're being asked to do on a nightly basis and then go out there 
and be the best at that that they can be. So glad you brought that up. Just wanted to touch on that. But for me, Sam, it's Case and Wallace, dude. This guy, I keep saying it over and over, he is an absolute menace on the defensive side of the ball. The way he is able, and guys, you got to remember this, it is tough to stay in front of some of these very talented and speedy guards and wing players all across the country, and you watch Kaysen Wallace, and if you just sit there and watch him play defense, the way he's able to shuffle his feet, the way he's able to stay in front of guys, follow them to the basket, block shots, tip passes, get in the passing lanes, do all those sorts of things. I mean, he got a little aggressive, and you saw a couple fouls on, on some plays, but you can't even be mad at him because the way that he's affecting the game on the defensive side of the ball is is just it's tremendous sam he really gets after it that is something that we when we first started talking about him on the podcast before the season even started the first thing that jumped off the page to both of us from his high school tape was the way that he played defense and it has carried over into college and a lot of times you aren't able to see that with a young guard being able to affect the game defensively like that so that is just jumping off the page and and it did again against Michigan and then Sam the three-pointers dude he is a killer absolute dagger three-pointers he knows how to get to his spot. He's very good with the catch and shoot. He gets his body squared to the basket and then he just lets it rip and he has got a very pure shot. He wasn't a guy initially we were talking about as part of this three-point attack for the Kentucky Wildcats, but he is quickly becoming one of our better three-point shooters. And just the way that he was able to affect the game so much a few mistakes here and there with with turnovers. He's prone to a few a game. I think that's one thing he can clean up a little bit. Um, the free throws from him, we'll, we'll we'll touch on that a little bit more with everybody in general. But clean that up. But outside of that, Sam, he he played almost a perfect game and he impacted it both on the defensive end and the offensive side of the ball really helped us come away with the victory so he was the guy who stuck out to me the most I do want to touch on a couple other players but I kind of want to ask you the same question Sam I know I picked Case and Wallace and that was too easy so I'm going to give you a little bit harder of a job to pick somebody else that you thought jumped off the page and really helped contribute to this W. So I'll throw it to you. Who, who do you think that next guy was for the cats on Sunday? Yeah. I mean, the obvious answer is definitely Casey Wallace. His ability to just wreck that game against Michigan was extremely impressive. He finished with 14 points. He grabbed eight boards, AJ. I mean, he, he just impacts the game in so many various ways. Obviously what I love most is it starts defensively and he lets his offensive rhythm come from that which is just it's unmatched AJ and that's why this kid is so prepared for the next level he's gonna keep refining his skills offensively as you see and he's so efficient but you're you're right who would have thought AJ we'd be sitting eight games into the year and Kaysen Wallace would be leading us in three-point field goal percentage it's incredible. I mean, I did not see that coming, AJ. 
But, boy, is that a huge lift for these Kentucky Wildcats as C.J. Frederick kind of still is getting things going. we got to give him a little time, BBN. I know what we're all thinking. What the heck? We thought he was going to be draining threes. Guys, he didn't play basketball for nearly two years. May I remind you of a player much, much better. So I'm not saying he's the same caliber. But there's a guy out in Golden State that went through the same thing. As in, as he ramped up the season, AJ, Clay Thompson was not shooting well. You see him as of late. He got his legs back under him. He's getting the shots up. He's going nuclear. I'm not saying C.J. Frederick is comparable. I am saying any good shooter has to work back into it. And good shooters keep shooting. So, C.J., keep shooting. You saw him hit a very timely late game three, which was a beautiful, beautiful play design by John Calipari. So for you guys saying Cal doesn't draw up plays, I beg to differ. However, you pose a great question, AJ, and I think maybe the audience natural response in this scenario would be Oscar Sheboy. He finishes with 13 points, 14 rebounds, impacts the game highly. He did a Pretty solid job, obviously, like I said, guarding Hunter Dickinson. However, I'm not going to go that route, not just to be a contrarian, but I actually do think what Jacob Tobin gave us, AJ, was more critical. We talked about him having a potentially favorable matchup with his size and his skill offensively, and I liked what I saw from him, AJ. He was aggressive again. When Jacob Toppin is aggressive, AJ, and he gets to his spots and he demands the ball, that's when Kentucky can be at their best. There was a couple possessions straight, AJ, where Jacob Toppin got the ball in the mid-range and he took a jump shot and he missed two straight. And I was almost worried enough, AJ, to think, shoot, now Jacob's not going to be aggressive and he's not going to take those opportunities. Although for him are very high percentage shots. We've seen his development in the rich mid-range game, AJ, and it's impressive. Very next possession down, he gets himself on the block, he fades away, boom, bottom of the barrel. I love to see that aggressiveness from Jacob. He finished with 14 really needed points. He grabs five tough boards, two of them, AJ, offensive boards. I love to see that. Giving us second opportunities is key. All in together, he gave us 25 strong minutes. He defended well. He impacted plays. And I... I, I have to beg the, the question. I just I think if you don't have that efficiency from him, I don't know where else we could have gotten it from at times throughout the game. So I think those were some critical points and minutes that we got from Jacob Toppin on Saturday or Sunday, sorry, against Michigan. So I think that's where I have to go with my answer. Yeah, Sam. I honestly I think I think he did. He played an absolute crucial role, and you you. You bring up a really good point there because you think about it, Sam, and it's there's times of the game where we may not be able to work through Shibuya down low, right? And our guards may not be able to attack the basket. And you need to be able to have a guy that you can just throw the ball to and say, get a bucket. And he is that guy. I mean, we keep talking about it, Sam. We talk about it every day off air. And when he is aggressive and he is locked into the game, he 
is a very dynamic player, and you saw him do a lot of special things on the court against Michigan. His mid-range game, Sam, is at an elite level. He has completely changed that part of his, his game. You see the way he's shooting with confidence, pulling up off the dribble, catch and shoot, coming off screens. He's able to back guys down, fade away, shoot over top with that length. I mean, he's developing quite a package in that mid-range game. So we're going to need to continue to rely on him to go out on a nightly basis and to carry some of the scoring load. He's got to be one of those guys. He did it again on Sunday. You look at the Kentucky starting five on Sunday, Sam, every single guy in double figures. I thought the other two that we have not spoken about in our starting lineup, Xavier Wheeler and Antonio Reeves, both play critical roles in the game. Wheeler, again, ends with seven assists. He's a guy who's going to go out there every night, and that seems like that's basically the floor for him. Seven assists or more. He's helping move the ball around the Kentucky Wildcats as a team. I believe had 17 assists for the game as well, so you love to see that, the ball being moved around. Antonio Reeves, bang. Three for four from the three-point line. I talked about before the game, he had looked a little bit rushed in his previous couple games. He looked very calm, cool, collected, caught the ball in rhythm, hit some very beautiful three-pointers, only missed one on the night. So as a team, Sam, 9 of 15 from the three-point line. and that's, 60%. Yep, and so, Sam, that's ultimately where I was going with this. You even saw Xavier Wheeler, and sometimes, Sam, I think it's even better for him to just catch it and not think about the three-point shot. It. Just shoot it. He got the ball late in the shot clock. He didn't have time to think about it, and he just let it rip, and boom, cashes it. So... The three-point shot, we talked about it before the season. Even when we were struggling in some of those games, Sam, you said, hey, let's pause. Let's let's slow it down a little bit. It's not the end of the world that we're missing some of these. We're taking more than we're used to. You're starting to see this incorporated into our game, and you saw the results of that on Sunday big time. Shooting 60%, 9 of 15, that is just extraordinary as efficient from the three-point line as you can possibly get in a big-time game. And it's coming from multiple guys on the team, not just one or two guys. So let me let me get your thoughts there, Sam, because what did you like about what we did with the three-point shot in this game? And then just how much can this three-point shot impact our offense going forward? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's critical to where this team wants to go this year, AJ. And I say that with such such confidence because the style of offense that we want to run at times through Oscar has to be opened up from the perimeter. He can bang it in down there, AJ, and he can get his. But if we can't bring the ball to the exterior, then what teams can do is they can just suck the paint away from Oscar Shibway because they can get down there and they can put bodies there and they can – clog the traffic, and double him. And if he can't have confidence that he can distribute it to the exterior, that's going to limit us greatly, AJ. So us shooting 60% is massive. Cal talked about it even during some of our slight woes throughout the beginning of the season. He said, these guys can hit shots. We just can't miss them all. 
we just we we gotta hit shots, and he's confident that he can do it. He's finding creative ways, AJ, to get guys open opportunities, and I have to give him some credit because I already alluded it alluded to it, AJ. But CJ Frederick's look late in the game, his only made three pointer was beautiful. The way we were able to get Antonio Reeves in motion from transition was massive. I mean, I think that sometimes, AJ, when Antonio Reeves is at his best, when he has, again, not a ton of time to think about his shot opportunity. I I said it the other day in our preview. He doesn't need to be a catch and shoot, but when he's at his best is when he doesn't have to second guess his opportunity because he's worried about, do I have the green light or not? I think it's starting to get through to him that, hey, man, ball in your hands, go make a play. Whether that's put that on the deck or put up your shot, we have the green light with you. And you started to see that. Like you said, three for four, he was extremely efficient. Those are critical points that we needed from him. So, you know, I'm glad you brought it up and you posed the question because realistically, this Kentucky team, as you can tell, is taking more threes than we ever have, and we're going to be reliant on the three ball. It's not going to be indicative of whether we can win every game or not, but I'm telling you, big games like this, AJ, especially during the SEC stretch, those are going to be critical points that we've got to rely on. I'm not saying you got to hit 9, 10, 3 ga- threes a game, AJ, but you at least have to finish with a handful of threes from deep to be able to alleviate the pressure of Oscar going out there and putting up 20-plus points every night. It's just not possible, especially when he's going up against bigs like Hunter Dickinson and company that he'll have to run through in SEC play, AJ, because it's just not sustainable. We saw it last year. He'll be able to get 15-15, but the nights when we need him to get 20-25-plus, those are tough. Those are tough, AJ, and you can't say that that's the game plan going in to win every game. That's my honest opinion. Yeah, Sam, and uh, I think there's really only one other thing that we need to talk about from this game, and it. I talked, I touched on it just a few minutes ago, but it's the free throws. You 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 can't do that, and this kind of brings me to. Um what you were talking about a little bit earlier when you posed your first question to me, but you know, we were in position to cover that game as an eight and a half point favorite. You know, you're, you're up late, you have the ball, you're getting fouled and the final score. Yeah. Three points. And I said it earlier, Jet Howard hits that three kind of forces us to continue to play the game there. But you can't let that happen. And it's not about covering the spread. It's just about having a chance against a good team to put them away. You do it. 50% from the free throw line, that is just not good enough. And again, Sam, it's the timely free throws at big points of the game. And in this one, it was down the stretch. And it didn't cost us the game necessarily, but it it put more pressure on us. It extended the game and we could have just buried it and ended it and walked away and felt really good about it all. And Sam, both me and you texted each other right as soon as the game ended and it just left a little bit of a sour taste in our mouth from those missed free throws. So, you know, whatever they got to do, get in the gym, start taking a hundred free throws a day. 
you know, that's what I would do as a kid when I was struggling from the line. You just come home from school and you sit there and you shoot 200 free throws, you know? Um, but that has got to get corrected because that we can't afford to have poor free throw shooting be the reason why we end up losing some games in SEC play against good teams because we can't find a way to close them out at the free throw line. No, you're absolutely right. And I don't need to beat a dead horse, but it's, it's critical. This isn't something that we can just say, ha, you know, it'll get fixed. No, it's got to get fixed. Cal's got to get those guys in the gym and have a responsibility to put up so many free throws a day. You're absolutely right. Because this cannot be a consistent theme with this basketball team. We have too good of shooters, AJ, to be worried about our free throw percentage. That's that's the last thing I'll say. We're too good of shooters to be worrying about this right now. So let's fix it and address it now and stop this madness because it's a theme so far throughout the beginning of the season. And I'm telling you, AJ, it's not going to be a good theme for these Wildcats if we go into SEC play with this type of effort. That's for sure. Yep, absolutely, Sam. And with that being said, I just want to remind you guys Go on social media. You can follow the podcast at AO Kentucky Pod. You can also find me and Sam on Twitter. I am at Andrew J. Bradley. Sam is at Sam Brad 66. Find us there. You can interact with us, see some things about the podcast, and uh, kind of join in on what we got going on here. We will preview, or I'm sorry, we will transition over to the football field for just a minute we got an update for you guys so i'm going to run through this real quick and then we're going to get back to the hardwood preview the game that the kentucky wildcats have this saturday against yale but back to football real quick bowl games were announced on sunday it looks as if the kentucky wildcats will be traveling to nashville Tennessee as they have a noon kickoff on December 31st against none other than the Iowa Hawkeyes. Looks like one bowl game against them wasn't enough, so we're going to fire up round two in what appears to be an absolute defensive slugfest. The over-under is officially out in Vegas. We're looking at a 33.5 point total, which is one of the lowest totals you will ever see for a college football game. I will add the caveat that that is under the assumption that our quarterback, Will Levis, will not play, potentially sitting out for the NFL draft. But either way... Looks like points will be at a premium on New Year's <laughs> Eve in Nashville, Tennessee, Sam. Yeah, I think uh, you said it beautifully. It's going to be a defensive slugfest. I don't think anyone's expecting a beret of points, but Vegas has been wrong before. But, uh, you know, when we look at this matchup, it's going to be a fun one. We will definitely have some time, AJ, to break down the matchup all the keys to the Wildcats coming away with yet another victorious bowl season. But I will say, AJ, this Iowa defense is for real. They're a top five defense in the country. Cats finished just outside the top 15. So, you know, they've got a leg up there. We finish with a 
much more efficient offense than them, but not that crazy much more. So let's be honest what we're going up against. But I, I think it is going to be a fun matchup. We have question marks here and there. They have a few question marks. Obviously, our biggest, you alluded to it, Will Lev- Will Will Levis play. We'll have to get into that, but as of right now, for all you listeners, he has officially had a conversation with Mark Stoops, with the rest of the staff. He has not made a decision as to if he's going to play. The indicators show right now that he is trying to feel out some of his injuries that he has endured throughout the season, see if his body can get right. If he's fully healthy, I think he will give a go at it, but obviously he's got a lot to consider with the potential of being a top five pick in the upcoming NFL draft. But thanks for bringing us to that game, AJ. It's going to be a very exciting New Year's bowl, New Year's Eve bowl game. I will say my only gripe is it's the exact same day, exact same time, as the UK UofL basketball game. I'm not sure it's going to be much of a game. However, I just hate that Big Blue Nation is going to be fighting on Twitter all day and all week leading up to it as far as what are they going to be watching and why did they do this to our fan base? Yeah, just going to have to make sure to have two TVs in the living room that day so the channel flipping we can keep to a minimum and just watch both games simultaneously but like you said sam a little annoying that they did that to us but you know what we will make do and we will support the cats no matter what looking forward to the bowl game i know we haven't really talked much football on the last couple podcasts i mean we are definitely going to get back to it just been pretty crazy with the basketball stuff with the season kicking off a lot of games happening so um this weekend the next episode that we will do me and sam are going to kind of recap and break down the entire season as a whole get you guys all caught up to speed with what's going on with our roster with our coaching staff the holes that need to be filled what we're looking at going in to next season the transfer portal is on fire there are guys entering every single day 20 plus quarterbacks already in the portal hundreds of players so we're gonna have to get you guys all caught up to speed on what's going on there and we'll get back to a little bit of football but again right back to the hardwood sam Kentucky's next game is this Saturday at Rupp Arena against the Yale Bulldogs. Yale comes in as the 90th rated team in the country, according to Ken Palm. As I look at this basketball team, Sam, they honestly do a lot well on offense and a lot well on defense. They have a couple players in Matt Noling and guard John Pulakitis, I hope I'm saying his name right, both averaging in double digits. They're a team who averages just around 80 points per game, coming in with a very efficient offense. We've talked about the Kentucky defense against Michigan and in the past a lot. Is there anything different the Cats need to do on defense in this game, 
or is this something where they should be able to use their size and athleticism and toughness to be able to lock down on the defensive end, get out and transition, and put some points up against the Yale Bulldogs? Yeah, AJ, I mean, this is a 8-1 and one team that is off to a hot start. Their only loss coming to Colorado They are a solid offensive team. I mean, like you said, AJ, they put up almost 80 points a game right now with 18 assists. They distribute the ball well, all while doing so as a team, AJ, only shooting 35% from the three-point line. So I will say, to put up 80 points and only average 35%, that's very, very good basketball. 35% is not bad from three, AJ. That's actually right around the mark. But when you peel back that layer and you start looking at some of their players, like John P. is what I'm going to say, so I don't butcher his last name, just in case, I'll be careful. But also, Nick Townsend and Devin Arlington. Okay, AJ, those are their guards. Those three guys, they play bling positions or guards. All of them are accounting for 50% three-point percentage shooters on the year through their first nine games guys that's extremely efficient so when you pull back that layer and then i just got done through talking about the only real gripe only two gripes was free was free throws but get past that was our perimeter defense aj so that is immediately what jumps off the page at me for this upcoming matchup against the yale bulldogs we have to use our length and physicality on the perimeter we cannot just let them get comfortable back there and put up easy shots that's going to be critical for the wildcats to limit this team to less than 80 points we do not want this team to go over 80 points i would not like to see that aj to be honest i think we do have enough offensive power to be able to beat a team like that with over 80 points it's not necessarily i think where we want to live given how we are playing currently we are figuring out we're looking like a better and better team each game but That's my honest opinion as far as how I want to match up defensively. With that being said, especially the next most important thing is rebounding, AJ. This is a team that we are going up against in Yale that is really struggling to rebound the basketball, which makes it even wilder, AJ, that they're averaging 80 points a game. Their best rebounder, AJ, is only averaging five rebounds a game. That's not a lot. I'm just saying that bluntly because I think this is something that the Wildcats have to just inflict and enforce their physicality, their ability to rebound the basketball and get out and run. Our defensive effort, especially like I said, out on the perimeter, that's going to lead to bad shot selections, good rebounding, good outlets, and that's the recipe for how we win this basketball game. Because if we get out and transition, AJ, from bad shot selections from Yale, they're not going to be able to keep up with us. I can guarantee you that. That's my quick recipe for how we win this game, given the offensive power that they have been able to very effectively have through the first nine games. Yeah, Sam, I think, honestly, for me, this game is a lot similar to what we just saw in the Michigan Wolverines. Maybe not the exact same style of offense that they're going to play as they don't have a dominant big man in like the Michigan Wolverines did. 
but they are an offense who passes the ball extremely well. Maybe more a mix of a little bit of the Bellerman, a little mix of, of both Bellerman and Michigan. They pass the ball really well. Again, they're a team that does not turn the ball over a ton. So keeping the pressure on them on defense. Sam, you alluded to it. They have a few guys who shoot the ball extremely well from the three-point line. And then they are actually a pretty bad free throw shooting team as far as it stands through the first nine games. But that just kind of shows you with the amount of points they're averaging from two, from the two point land, their two point shot, their free throw or their shooting percentage is very, very high. Okay. They find a way to get open looks and they shoot the ball pretty well. So like you said, Sam, I think this is just a case of us playing our game and being physical on defense, and forcing tough shots, blocking out, and rebounding. And then when we look at the offensive side of the ball, I just think it's more of what you saw last game. Continuing to work on our half-court offense, being able to find Shibwe in the post, work through him, and then if not, being able to attack with our guards and look for guys around the perimeter, and then Jacob Toppin being able to find him and get him the ball where he likes it and being able to attack the basket, shoot his shot, and be aggressive in this game. So for me, a lot of this is just us playing our game and not worrying too much about what the other team does because if I think we do the things that we do well, I think that we should be able to walk out of here with a victory on our home court this weekend. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's going to be a fun matchup, truthfully. I obviously don't have the line yet. AJ is the, um, you know, numbers haven't officially come out yet. It's going to be intriguing to see where that line falls. But this is absolutely a game that could be a little trickier than maybe the average fan would presume it to be. So let's honestly, let's lock in because this is going to be a tough matchup. We need to be physical with this team and beat them with the run. That's what I'm telling you. That's what I'm telling you. I like where you went, AJ, with Jacob Toppin. He needs to be the aggressor. I also want to see a very healthy dose of Oscar Sheepway. Like you said, they don't necessarily have a dominating big. They have Matt Nulling, who is averaging 17 points, but I will not say he is not exactly the same caliber of some of the bigs that Oscar has had to go up against and Drew Timmy and Hunter Dickinson. So, look for Oscar Sheepway to have a very productive afternoon against these Yale Bulldogs. But that's where I'll leave it, AJ. Absolutely, Sam. And we look forward to the game this Saturday. The Cats probably get some some much-needed rest and time off as they travel back from London to Kentucky, Lexington, get back to school, get get back to class in the routine and practice and all those things, and they should be looking to rock and roll. I know that Rupp Arena will be fired up to welcome home their Kentucky Wildcats this Saturday. And Sam, we have one more order of business to get to before we get out of here tonight. This is a new segment that we are going to be doing each week on the podcast, we are calling it the AOK College Basketball Picks. And I'm going to run down how this game is going to work so that you, the listener, can keep track 
of the points, just like me and Sam. We will continue to update you throughout the season. But this is going to be a little competition, Sam. We're going to find out who really truly is the best college basketball mind on this podcast. Absolutely, AJ. I'm excited for this segment. I'm excited for our listeners to be able to partake. I think uh, before you dive into the rules and regulations of this new segment for the AOK Podcast Boys, I want to make sure that our listeners are aware that you guys will ultimately deem the necessary and obligatory punishment for the loser of this segment later into the year. So... Me and AJ will be competing in this segment throughout the year. Whoever finishes last will have a responsibility to do the punishment of the choosing of the people. So start tweeting at us. Let us know. Shoot us a text. What you think the punishment should be. We'll be collecting that over the next couple of weeks. And we'll be sure to let you guys know what we come up with from your guys' honest opinions. So we're excited to see what you guys come up with. And let the game begin, my friend. So, the way this is going to work for everybody and for Sam, me and Sam are going to pick four games a week at the beginning of the week. Now, we decided between the two of us, we're going to keep this, obviously, to games in which should be quality games. We're not looking for games in which, you know, Kentucky is playing the school of the blind, and I'm going to pick Kentucky as my pick to get a point because they win the game, okay? We're not, <laughs> we're not doing that, all right? So we're looking for teams who are so as evenly matched as we can get. I understand there are, you know, some teams who are better, and not every single game is going to be an even matchup and all of that, but here's how we're going to do it. So you get four picks a week. If you take a team who is the favorite in a game. And so when we pick these games at the beginning of the week, we're honestly not going to know all of the spreads of the game because some of them won't come out till later in the week. So me and Sam will monitor that. We will make sure that we get the line because that's going to be a part of how we gain points. So you pick a team who's playing at home and is the favorite and they win the game, you get a point. If they win the game and they cover the spread, you get two points. Now, if you want to take a team who plays on the road and they're a favorite and they win the game, you get two points. If they win the game and cover the spread on the road, you get three points. If you want to take an underdog who's playing at home, they win, you get three points. If you want to take an underdog who's playing on the road and they win, you get four points. So I know it's a little bit confusing with the point system, but... It'll be easy for us to track. Regardless, me and Sam are going to go four picks. We get to choose the games, any games we want. So I've chosen four. Sam's chosen four. I don't know what his four are. So you can either be a little risky or a little less risk adverse if you want to take some underdogs or you want to take some favorites to see how many potential points you can come away with. We will keep track of this throughout the course of the college basketball season. And at the end, we will have a winner and a loser. So with that being said, Sam, I will give you the honors and I will let you share your picks if you want to go through 
I'll let you, if you want to go one and pass it back, that's fine. Or if you just want to share all four, go ahead and then I'll give mine. I'll leave that up to you. Yeah, man, I'm excited for this. I think there's some very good college basketball to be played this week, AJ. Before I dive into my picks, I mean, there's, you know, number 17 Illinois later this week playing number two Texas. We've got Maryland in a good matchup against Wisconsin. We've got number one Houston taking on number eight Alabama. We've got number 10 Arizona taking on number 14 Indiana. So there's a great slate of college basketball for all you listeners. So be sure to not only tune in to the Wildcats later this Saturday, but try to catch in to see some of these other matchups because guys, there's a lot of great college basketball being played. And there's no, in my honest opinion, clear cut favorite who's going to cut down the nets come the end of March. So It's exciting. With that being said, AJ, I mentioned my first pick briefly in some of those matchups, and it starts tomorrow night down in Texas where they will be taking on number 17, Illinois, AJ. My pick for this game is actually Texas at home. I really like what I'm seeing from Texas early in the season. They sit at 6-0 as the number two team in the country, led by efforts from Tyrese Hunter. He is playing some exceptional basketball early in this season, AJ. But he's going to have a tough opponent in Terrence Shannon Jr. because he is for real for Illinois. That team is a lot of fun. It's going to be a marquee matchup tomorrow at 6 p.m. for me here in Chicago, 7 p.m. for you back in Michigan, AJ. But it should be a fun matchup. Texas needs to look to get out and run. They are an extremely efficient defensive team, so look for them to put a lot of emphasis on guarding the best player in Terrence Shannon Jr. But that is my first pick of the year, AJ. Let me get your first pick before I dive into some of my others. That's really crazy. You can tell we're brothers because that was actually my first pick on my board was was the Texas Longhorns. But I'm not going to use that. I'm going to transition away from that one. I've got three other picks plus a backup. So I'm going to throw the backup in. I'll take Texas off my board and I'll give you them because you had first dibs. So you will get the Texas Longhorns. My first game then that I will go to is a clash in the Big Ten this Thursday night where we have the Rutgers Scarlet Knights going on the road to take on the Ohio State Buckeyes. Rutgers coming off an absolutely electric win on their home court, which is an extremely tough place to play. Problem is they don't play so well as they do at home, as they do on the road. I've seen this Ohio State team play a few times at the beginning of the season. I think they have a lot of good pieces, and I think that Ohio State will be able to come away with the victory on their own home court against Rutgers. So I will take Ohio State Buckeyes as my first pick for the week, Sam. Absolutely. I love it. It's funny that you were going to pick Texas as well, but Uh, Like you said, maybe brothers think alike, but I like the pick. I do think that's going to be a tough bout between, you know, their first actual true in Big Ten conference game. And I was actually going the same direction with my second pick, AJ, because tomorrow night, Maryland 
is on the road. And they are going up against a complicated team so far, in my honest opinion, in the Wisconsin Badgers. However, AJ, when you look at the line, as far as I can find it, it's a pick em right now. I've actually even seen it where Wisconsin's minus by one point. So it's going to be interest, interesting what we uh, find the line close at, and that's probably what we'll go off of for the actual podcast purposes. But number 13, Maryland, walking in on the road against Wisconsin, a team that's trending and got a big win in their last game from a very great effort from guard Jameer Young, who scored 24 points. It's going to be very interesting. I think Maryland is going to come away with a resounding W, AJ. I, I think he's actually going. they're actually going to have a brilliant effort, and I think they are going to be able to continue the fast start that they've had to this season, moving to 9-0, and and almost a top-10 team in the entire country. I love it, Sam. I love it. A lot of Big Ten action this week. Some good games going down. Looks like we got our eye on a few of them so far. Um, my next game, we're going to move on to a little bit later in the week on Saturday as we have a little showdown in the state of Ohio. We have the Xavier Musketeers traveling on the road against the Cincinnati Bearcats, two teams that are not that far from each other in that state and quite the rivalry that I think is a little bit underrated as far as people know around the country. Both these teams play some hard-nosed style they like to get after it and get in your face. I think the Xavier Musketeers can go on the road at Cincinnati. They should have a lot of fans traveling not that far away to be able to take over that stadium just enough to give them that edge on the road. I like Xavier to beat Cincinnati this Saturday. That's my first underdog, underdog pick. I'm taking Xavier. I love it. That's going to be a fun matchup. I watched Xavier play the other night, AJ. It was a very exciting game, but I absolutely like you tuning into that one. I myself, with my third pick, am going to be going to a rivalry game that is one that almost got put in place on the football field, but was actually vetoed. And I'm referring to Kansas going on a slight road venture as well to a very familiar and hated battle against Missouri. I think that's going to be a solid matchup, AJ. The number six Kansas Jayhawks are sitting at eight and one. They have looked good, but they have definitely shown life of struggle for the, these Kansas Jayhawks. Missouri is at 9-0, and AJ. I think it's going to be a tough battle with a ex- very exuberant crowd in Missouri to try to knock off these top-ranked Kansas Jayhawks. I think Kansas has enough firepower to go in there and walk away with a big first test W on the road. So look for the Kansas Jayhawks to have a probably favorable spread on the road, I think they're able to walk in there, AJ, 
with the likes of Grady Dick knocking it down from three and extend this lead and come away with a big road win. Okay, Sam's taking the Kansas Jayhawks this week. I like it, Sam. For my third game, we're going to probably, in my opinion, one of the top games of the weekend, if not the top game. And it's happening down in Houston, where the Houston Cougars are taking on the Alabama Crimson Tide. A tale of two top 10 teams. Houston, Sam, you talk about teams. You said nobody really has separated themselves as that national title contender. I think you could make a case for the Houston Cougars to be that team who's almost separated themselves early on in the season. But like I said, a lot of basketball still left to be played in this matchup. I think Houston's just a little bit too much for Alabama. Traveling on the road, going to play this game, not on their own home court. I like the Houston Cougars. Marcus Sasser, back this year, fully healthy. You've got an absolutely loaded basketball team. Guys, I know this is a Kentucky Wildcats podcast. It always will be. Go check out the Houston Cougars play basketball. They are tenacious. They are ferocious. Their coach, Calvin Sampson, just gets them going. They are fun basketball team to watch. One you'll probably be seeing a lot of down the stretch of this season. So, Sam, I'm taking Houston against Alabama. Another home favorite. Book it. I love it, AJ. And with my fourth pick and final pick of this week, AJ, I, too, am going to stay in the marquee matchups. This is a game that... A lot of you will probably be tuning into. I know we hate Indiana. I absolutely know we despise them, but they have a marquee matchup at home against the number 10 ranked Arizona. They are very good, AJ. They know how to score the basketball. They are one of the most offensively efficient teams in the entire country thus far. They only have one loss coming to Utah, where Utah was able to show that if you can limit them with your defensive effort, you're going to be able to score on this Arizona defense. They only came around with 66 points offensively, Arizona did, in that game, AJ, and it led to defensive woes. I think them going in to Indiana on the road, with Indiana coming off of their first loss of the year, AJ, against a loss against Rutgers, where, gosh, did they look like they struggled, only putting up 48 points. I think this game is a lot more complex than what people are maybe believing it to be, with the number 10 team taking on the number 14 team, AJ, both teams putting up north of 80 points. I don't see it going like that. I think both teams have showed life of struggling offensively, I think Indiana comes away with a W at home, being able to disrupt these this Arizona team defensively. I think they're actually going to come away with a W. I don't see them losing two in a row. Obviously, being able to do it in front of their home crowd is going to play a critical role. Okay, well, you've now taken two of my teams that I was going <laughs> going to pick so that was my alternate game so i have three picks um so just give me like 30 seconds i'm trying to pivot 
once again and come up with my last pick. And you know what? Actually, here's what I'm going to do, Sam, because this is a team that we have already seen play. All of BBN has seen play because they played the Kentucky Wildcats and they beat them. And that was the Michigan State Spartans. Michigan State has dealt with a few injuries. They are now on a streak of losing three out of the last five games and also two in a row, losing by 18 points at Notre Dame and then a brutal home loss against Northwestern. They go on the road at Penn State Wednesday night, a quick turnaround. I like the Michigan State Spartans to go on the road, pull out a gutsy, gritty victory at Penn State to get themselves back on track and to avoid the three-game losing streak. Give me the Michigan State Spartans as my fourth pick. And there you have it, folks. Let's recap real quick. Sam, I have got the Michigan State Spartans, the Houston Cougars, the Ohio State Buckeyes, and the Xavier Musketeers. Let the people know your four picks before we get out of here, and then let's get out of Dodge. Yeah, absolutely, AJ. So for myself, I finished with the Indiana Hoosiers. I believe they're going to come away with a W. I also had um, Texas AJ against Illinois. I then had, gosh, do you have them written down? Can you remind me? I, I had already put away my notes. Hold oh, on my gosh. Um, and then I had Maryland. Then I had Maryland against Wisconsin. Well, against Wisconsin. Yep. Thank you very much. And Kansas. my last pick was the Kansas Jayhawks. Yes, sir. Okay. Get your notes out, your pencils, your pads. Write it down so you guys can keep track of it too. Those are our picks for this week. This is a segment we will continue to do all season long. A fun little way for me and Sam to make some picks, get you guys some more information, get you up to speed on some of the other college teams around the country that maybe you have not had the chance to see. Let you know what teams may be worth your while to go out there and take a look at. You never know who the Kentucky Wildcats may run into come March. So get your eyes on them now. Get your scouting in now so you will be ready to roll come March with the Kentucky Wildcats. Sam, that is all we have for tonight. I appreciate your time. I appreciate everybody listening tonight. We will be back this weekend for another episode of the All Out Kentucky podcast, breaking down the entire football season as a whole, getting you guys all caught up to speed in the football world. Look forward to Kentucky's matchup this weekend with the Yale Bulldogs. Sam, good night and go Cats. See y'all. There's only one thing left to say. Oh, C-A-T-S, cats, cats, cats.